Welcome to Modern Murders, the true crime podcast that covers murders and disappearances after the year 2000. I'm your host, Ariel Herrera. Hey everyone, this is Ariel. Today I'm going to be talking about the mysterious death of Jade Polehill. This was recommended to me on Reddit by another user, and I told them I would do my best to try to look into this case, but it's pretty difficult. I w- was having a hard time finding a lot of information on Jay, and the only thing I could really get from was a Chicago Tribune article that was done close to around the time of his death. I really recommend checking it out, and I'll uh, submit a link in the bio for more. Let's get into it. So Jay was the kind of kid that had a huge smile from one ear to the other, His smile was very electric. I just look at all the pictures and I think, wow, what great smile. I wish I had a smile like that. He had shaggy medium uh, length hair, a very energetic vibe about him. It was hard to miss a guy like Jay. He was very happy-go-lucky. He was a photography student from Columbia College in Chicago, Illinois. He had no idea that, you know, his life would be cut short by following his passion. So I do want to talk about his life. I will go into the mysterious death of Jay, but I did want to talk about the amazing life he lived. It all started when he was born on June 9th, 1989. His parents, Rick and Jane Polehill, were in Monroe, Wisconsin at that time. And although he was born in Monroe, he grew up only 30 minutes away in a small village of Lena, Illinois. And this village is literally like a stone's throw away from the Wisconsin-Illinois border. And the Polehill family seemed very close. It seemed like Jay was the kind of family member to be the goofy and funny spirit that illuminated a room. And it seemed like everyone who met Jay, both in his life in Lena and in his life at Columbia College, had this great impression from him as a very kind and charismatic person. When Jay was a child, he had a tumor surgically removed from his sinus cavity. I went through the same surgery when I was four years old, and my parents explained how I was a completely different and energetic kid afterwards. I can only imagine that Jay felt the same way once he had his surgery done, and he had a newfound appreciation for life. While in school, Jay wrestled and ran track for Lena Winslow High School and found his passion for photography his sophomore year. With a population of about 2,900 residents in Lena, one could only imagine how just a tiny spark of adventure could inspire someone like Jay to leave this small town and head for a bigger city like Chicago. So after graduating high school in 2008, Jay took a little bit of time off and went on an unforgettable trip to South Korea to visit a friend for the summer. And when he returned back from his vacation, he started working some part-time jobs and, you know, making a little bit of money. But I think Jay started asking himself what we all do once we get a taste of freedom. What now? So he decided to go to college and he left Lena and headed to Chicago. He was able to get into a private school called Columbia College as a photography major. I can only imagine how Jay felt at his first day of college, leaving a small town like Lena going foot forward into a whole new life, and meeting a bunch of people who shared a similar passion for art. Jay lived in a college dorm, and he excelled at his classes, and he did amazing at his schoolwork. He was very dedicated, he loved what he did, and he was making a huge impact on campus. He was becoming very social with all the people there, all the people in his classes, and he started making friends very quickly. And with a guy like Jay, you look at him and think, this guy's gotta have a lot of friends. And it was these same friends that noticed that Jay didn't show up to a party on February 28th, 2010. 
Before Jay went missing, he was in contact with a few people. He responded to a text from his mom at 10 a.m., which said, Sorry, busy night, way behind, be in touch later, love you. That's a typical thing that you would hear from your son at college, taking a lot of classes, having a lot of friends. And his girlfriend had also been texting him about the party that he said he was going to that Sunday afternoon, and she said that she would meet him at his dorm later that night. Detective Bob Rodriguez, who was assigned to the case, spoke with the people at the party, and no one recalled seeing Jay at all. After all those texts were sent, no one had any idea where he could be. So this is the part where we get into how Jay was found. Two days later on the morning of March 2nd, someone collecting water samples out of the Calumet River in Chicago found Jay's body. He was wearing only a t-shirt, and all of his clothes and personal items were taken. Jay's autopsy report came back inconclusive and was later changed to homicide by medical examiner Dr. Mitra Kalikar, with the conclusion being multiple severe injuries to the head and the cause of death being drowning. There was no drugs or alcohol in his system detected and no signs of sexual assault. There were two identical wounds on his leg, and the medical examiner thought that this could be consistent with propeller blades from a boat, and after looking at the Calumet River, it is deep enough for a boat, so it is very possible that a boat propeller could have cut his legs while his body was in the river. When investigators started digging into the last known people to CJ, they were able to retrieve a video surveillance of him leaving his dorms heading towards the 500 block of South State Street, shown wearing winter clothes while holding a laptop bag and his camera. Now, I do want to remind you guys that this was in February in Chicago. It is extremely cold, and so it's not like Jay was wearing a t-shirt when he left. He probably had a jacket, he was wearing pants, closed-toed shoes, and he might have even been wearing multiple layers. So the fact that he was found in just a t-shirt means that a lot of his clothes were taken, including his shoes. He probably had a wallet, and we know he had his cell phone with him, but these items were never retrieved from the scene, and they're still unaccounted for, including the camera and the laptop bag. To detectives, the Calumet River in South Chicago seemed like an odd place to end up. So, was he kidnapped and taken there? Was he up to something and was meeting someone there? When talking to his classmates, the answer became clear to detectives. Jay was working on a photography project, and the subject he chose was bridges. Now, I looked up the Calumet River on Google Maps, and I was able to count about four or five bridges just within walking distance. So it would be the best place to go if you wanted a variety of different bridges and different angles and different settings, lighting, etc. So it made sense now that Jay was going there with his camera to work on his school project on that day. Detectives were able to retrieve some information from Jay's CTA card, and this was his uh, Chicago Transit card. They saw that he took the red line to get to the Calumet River. Now, there are some marshy regions in the area, and it's an industrial place, so the area is not the best, and I don't want to say that the Calumet River area is horrible. I haven't been there. Just from talking with people, it seems like there's a really big homeless population there, and it's not really the place you go to to have fun with your family. It's kind of the place you go to to stay hidden. The area has a lot of different companies there, and so I wanted to talk more about the Calumet River um, because my dad actually grew up 
in the area that Jay lived and where his body was found. So my dad was born in Gary, Indiana, and he also lived in uh, Chicago. And the Calumet River runs between Gary and Chicago. So I asked my dad, I said, did you ever hear about the Calumet River growing up? And he said, yeah, it was a huge part of my childhood. And he started telling me some stories about the river. And my main question was, you know, how did people think about the river? What was the whole opinion about it? And he said it was very polluted. And as a kid, he used to watch the sewage system get leached out into the Calumet River. And this is really sad because this is where Jay's body was found. And I feel horrible for the family talking about it like this. I just want to paint a picture because this isn't the kind of river where there's going to be a lot of people around. It's very secluded. There's not a lot of people walking around. And even if they did see something, they probably won't say anything to police. Because the area is really flat, the river moves at a really slow pace and the current is not heavy by any means. So if, you know, some of the theories out there were saying that maybe Jay could have committed suicide, you know, those were some of the earlier theories and maybe he had jumped off a bridge. I find that very unlikely, um, number one, because he was going there to do his project and, um, Number two, where his body was found was not near a bridge. It was actually kind of downstream from the bridge. So if he did, let's say, commit suicide off of a bridge, his body would be found very close to it. Now, I, I do know that during the wintertime, it does flood. And certain areas, um, like in 2010, did flood the whole city. And that was due to a levee breach. And unfortunately, there's no autopsy report or any photographs that I can look at to analyze the cuts. There's really not a whole lot of information about Jay's case that I was able to find. It seems like maybe the investigators are keeping some information to themselves in order to uh, retain any information that might be useful in a confession or in an eyewitness. And I would imagine that even though the Calumet River was not heavily populated by the public, that maybe there was a lot of homeless people in the area or even workers in the area for the industrial companies that saw something. I would imagine that there's got to be somebody out there that knows something about Jay's death. It just seems really heartbreaking, and I didn't mention this before, but Jay had a brother, Billy, and he has, you know, two parents and grandparents, and he had his girlfriend who really loved him. For him to be taken like that so suddenly is really terrifying. It's also very sad. He was only 20 years old. He was doing everything right, and he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because his body was found without any clothes and without a wallet, without his cell phone, camera, laptop bag, I can only imagine that somebody saw a really nice kid taking pictures and took the opportunity, you know, did the worst to him. And someone like Jay doesn't deserve that. He deserves justice. We need to figure out who did this. And it's been so long. This case is now considered cold and not a lot of leads have come up. I didn't even know about this case before it was recommended to me. And I've never really heard about it. And being that it was so close to my dad growing up there, you know, it felt like something that I needed to cover. There is a theory out there going around. It's called the smiley face killer theory. And this was brought up with Jay's case uh, from retired New York cop Kevin Gannon and forensic professor Doc Gilbertson. There are two people that have teamed up and 
they're doing great work and they think that maybe Jay's case might be involved. But because of the nature of the way that Jay was found and that there was no drugs or alcohol in his system, I find it very unlikely that his case is tied to any others. Um, I think if anything, his case is tied to the many deaths and murders that happen in and around Chicago that haven't been solved yet. And my dad said that growing up, you know, it, it was a rough part and it's a rough town. It's not an area that you want to go late at night. I do want to appreciate you guys sticking it out until the end. And this is my first episode. I took on an episode that didn't have many details, and I probably shouldn't have, but I think it's really important, and I feel like it doesn't get a lot of attention about Jay's murder, and there would be hopefully new leads with this. If you have any information relating to Jay's death, please call the investigating agency at 312-726-9690. You can also call Crime Stoppers at one 800 222 tips. This episode was researched, written, produced by me, and I also produced the intro. So if you're interested in getting involved with the production of future episodes, please email me at modernmurders at yahoo.com.